Thank you, Janet Lee. Thank you so much. Very spiritual uh, songs there. And hello, everybody. Today is Sunday, January the 5th, 2014. Wow. So today, the plan and the message, the crossing. We pray that, as instructed by the Lord, that every word of this message today will be imbued with healing, a healing for any sickness that is causing fatigue in your body, in your brain, you'll just be healed as this word goes forth. Well, the plan. We are um, getting ready to commence starting next week, and actually I'll, I'll begin working on Tuesday on the um, finishing of these uh, certain books so that we can uh, get them uh, published and get them out to people. Now, the books that we're hoping to get done are, number one, the um, Star Eyes book, which is an awesome book. And what a name. And I received that, you know, over 50 years ago, Star Rise. And there's so much about that in the Bible. And that book will be a wondrous book and a treasure to a lot of people. So we hope to get that finished, ready to publish. Get it out to the people. We hope to get the book of Revelation, which is one of the most sensational books of the world, and has been a book uh, of complexity to the minds of millions. We also hope to get out the chapter of, or not the chapter, but the book, the Bible book of Genesis. And uh, that would be one book per month. That is an awesome chore that we're taking on to get that done, but it is a possibility that we can get it done, and so we're going to go for that uh, as our plan. Now, while this plan is going on, uh, we, will be, um, we will be in touch with you via, you know, uh, uh, mailing notices and information, uh, also um, on the, the Manifestor Facebook, for those of you who are on the Facebook, we'll uh, be updating you. <clears throat> additionally, <coughs> excuse me, additionally, we will um, uh, try to um, have a little session ever so often prior to the, uh, the, uh, the teaching, and we will share any things uh, that are... Uh, Super important for you to know. And just, you know, keep in contact with you that way. What we hope to be doing is um, we're going to start off with these uh, series of teachings that, that uh, I did, uh, you know, that, that are just, uh, you know, the prints upon the Mount of Transfiguration, footprints upon the Mount of Transfiguration. Those teachings are just are absolutely sensational. And, uh, and a person cannot, by hearing them one time, 
really be uh, in a notice of information that is present in those books, except to the smallest degree. So uh, that is happening, and then we just proceed with all else that uh, we are to do as far as getting these books ready and and uh, hopefully out to the people. Um, we want you to be praying for us for strength. We want you to be praying for us for the finances. And, uh, you know, we, we'll, just, we'll just take from, from there. We'll do the best that we can with, with you know, uh, the amount uh, of finances that has come in, which is, you know, uh, precious of those people who have given it. Uh, in the overall picture, it's, it's, of course, not sufficient yet. And, and, uh, but, you know, there's, there's time. And, and things are in God's hand. So we just praise and believe God. We're, we're excited. This is an exciting time. And, and that, uh, that leads me to the, the story here today and the teaching of the crossing. And um, I, I think I'll just... Uh, call that the plan that I've presented to you in, in the general uh, aspect of it. And we'll go into this uh, crossing because there is a lot of this teaching of the crossing that uh, pretty much goes along with the plan. So once there was an, a, a, an incident that happened um, during the ministry of Jesus while he was on earth with his disciples ministering, and um, he was uh, asked about, uh, you know, paying the taxes and, and about what was uh, supposed to be owed to, C to Caesar. And um, he gave an incredible answer. The, these people didn't hardly know what to do when Jesus gave them this answer because it was uh, obviously... Uh, a tremendous statement of wisdom. So he said, bring me a coin. And then he, he said, whose inscription is on this coin? And they said, why, that's the inscription of Caesar. So he said, all right. He said, render to Caesar what is due to Caesar and render to God what is due to God. It's sort of like taking a coin and giving it two sides. Now, there's a story, I've touched on it a little bit before, of uh, Julius Caesar. Uh, prior to him being the, uh, the head of, of the Roman Empire, and um, he, he was intent on becoming that head. He felt that it was his destiny, and uh, I don't have any question as to whether it was. I think, I think that for the time he was the, you know, the head Caesar, that that was, that was, that was destiny. So Julius Caesar uh, brought a band of um, 22,000 men and there was a thing that was known that had been set into the law of Rome. And that was that if any general that was of the armies and legions of Rome 
ever crossed the Rubicon River to come over into Rome with his armies, just the act of doing that was considered an act of war. And that is precisely what Julius Caesar did. He was planning, hoping to get back in contact with the rest of his army. That wasn't all of his army. He had other legions. But um, he started off with this first group, which were mostly all veterans of wars. And he had never in his wars ever suffered a defeat. In fact, all his his life when he campaigned, he had never ever lost a defeat. So he um, decided to to make this war, and there was a very great general called Pompey, who was the head of the legions guarding the the city of Rome. And he had over three legions. He had over 60,000 men. So, um, and that, 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 that figure was that um, he had three times the men. So, over three t- times the men, for, 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 so he had over 60,000 men, soldiers, compared to uh, Julius Caesar's 22,000. Well, um, his idea, Pompey, was to um, just let the soldiers of Julius Caesar um, run out of supplies because they were sort of entrapped by coming over that river. And uh, <clears throat> they, uh, they, would run, they, they would run out of food very shortly and, and other kind of supplies. But the Senate... The senators, the Senate, overruled him and said, no, let's get this thing done. Let's go out there and confront this man and destroy this army. And so that's what he did. He followed their rules. And uh, there was a lot of other nations like Greece and other nations that they were behind the Pompey, uh, uh, you know, um, general. And... um, Caesar didn't have that kind of a backing. But, you know, rendering unto Caesar, I think we always look at that and we say, okay, well, people forget about the Caesar thing. They just, let's render unto, unto God. You know, what's God's? They forget about Caesar. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, there are some things that Caesar has control over. There are some things that he is in charge of. And um, less, you are supposed to render unto him what he is in charge of. And um, so it's um, interesting that I'm taking the time to render unto Caesar what is due Caesar. Because he did have the credit of being a fantastic general of war. And there were some things that he did that was very different than what other generals did. 
And one of those things was that when he would defeat another army, um, quite often he would allow those generals and some of the nobles, and the, and if it was like Rome, the senators, he did not hang them, uh, destroy them. He allowed them a chance to serve in his army and 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 under his uh, his national leadership. And that was his plan, what he had intended to to do with Pompey, that if he won, because Pompey was a great uh, general, a strategic, strategic uh, uh, expert. Well, we won't go into the whole story of that battle, but it fits the subject of my of my teaching, the crossing. The crossing that the legions of Julius Caesar made was an act of war. But even though Caesar was outnumbered, his strategy and his his veteran men defeated Pompey and his entire army so the senators and Pompey fled, most of them to Egypt. And when Pompey got to Egypt, the pharaoh there had him de- deheaded. That did not please Julius Caesar, because he had intended to allow him to, to live and be under his command. Well, crossing that river was a thing that changed destiny. And so, that is a good theme for what I want to talk about. The crossing. Colossians chapter 2, verse 17 talks about the shadow of things to come. It tells us that There are things that are physical that are shadows and types of things that are to come. But that is all that they are. They are only shadows and they are only types. And the Bible is very clear and very emphatic. What is sad about the shadow of things to come is that people with all kinds of different intentions and understandings have justified the theology that the things that are actually shadows and only shadows that they have made them to become the actual revelation. So Hebrews 8, 5 says, calls it examples and, and the shadow of heavenly things, while Colossians calls it the shadow and the type But they both mean 
the same important revelation that there are things out there that are that are, are the shadow of things to come. They are a type, they are an example. But they themselves are not the real it, the real thing. Now in theology, in liturgical expressions today, there are just all kinds of things that people have fastened on to and believe as being the it, the real thing. And not being obedient to the interpretation of Scripture that these things are not the it, the real thing. They are only the shadow and the type example of the real thing. Now, Jacob worked for seven years for his wife, and then when he got married to her and and she was under her veil and everything, and afterwards he found out that he didn't get the woman that he loved that he wanted to have as his wife. Not that this lady was not a decent woman, but she was only a in a sense, a type of the woman that he loved, but not the very real woman herself. So he would not settle for that being the only answer. He accepted there being the shadow and the type because that was sort of the law of the land at that time as to who was privileged to be first married in a family and who was not. So he stuck in there another seven years until he could pass beyond only having the shadow of the person he loved to having the reality of the person he loved. Now we're using that story as an example of this theme of our teaching today called the crossing. The shadow of things to come. That in itself is an incredible statement. That means that there are things of the future in the King James, they don't really use the word future. But when you talk about things to come, you certainly are talking about the future. And what it is saying is that there are a lot of things in the future that are exampled as to their reality, even though they are not totally known or totally understood or maybe understood or known to any extent. But there are other, other tangibles 
that though they are not that thing that is to come, they are shadows of that thing are those things that are to come. So the future can be understood by being able to express the true interpretation of the shadow. Now, there has always been a problem in the church world as to interpretation. That's why there are so many different Bible versions. That's why there are so many different denominations of churches. That's why so many people out there have totally different contrasted and and opposite ideas. But when it came to returning from Persia back to the homeland of the Jews of the Jewish people. Only those people who could show that they had a title of citizenship to Israel and were not people that were bloodline They were Jews through marriage, maybe only partial Jews. They could not get the verification from Ezra, the priest, as to being accepted as true citizens and to be repatriated. because they did not have the goods to prove what they were except what was in their body that at that time they didn't do DNA testing. But it was not totally hopeless for them because they were informed they would not be able to enter the priesthood. They could go to the country, but they would not be able to be considered Levi's until a priest with the Urim and the Thummim stood up and declared that they were acceptable for the priesthood. Well, in this revelation of crossing the crossing, there are important dimensions of thought. Some of these dimensions of thought cannot be revealed or truly exampled as to their attachment and as to their importance of the ultimate destiny until there comes that event of what the Yerman Thummim stood for these stones, precious stones of the high priests vesture 
that when utilized could make the decision of yea or nay as to whether this person was accepted or not. The name of the Yerman Thummim transliterated a little deeper into English has been understood to mean understood to mean perfection of lights. So then for those people moving out of Persia, for them to be able to get into the the Levite uh, ministry and the priesthood ministry, they had to have a crossing that would reveal their destiny by the perfection of lights. Now that is what is getting ready to happen in a most wonderful, enlightening kind of way. And that is the deep, deep, deep of the upspringing of this message today that God is preparing to bring his people to the crossing. And then enable them to make this crossing via a perfection of lights, a grandeur power of interpretation and revelation that will take them to places others have not been able to go who could not enjoin themselves to the ultimate plan of God because they did not have the ultimate seal of God's destiny. But now with this revelation and manifestation of holy manifest realization, people are girded of the mind to be able to to see and to understand the shadow of things to come. And by that perfection of being able to see it and interpret it and know it, they are being enabled to cross, so to speak, the Rubicon River and face the odds of the forces dark, being unafraid because their general is the right white horse rider. Other examples that should be well known to you are in the scriptures. First Corinthians thirteen verse twelve for now we look through a glass darkly. But then, 
we shall see. We shall have perfect sight. Second Corinthians 3.18, another example of the glass darkly. Revelations 4.6, and the people in that day that are called the four beasts, which represents the four kinds of people of the, of the four nations of the world, I, know, I shouldn't say four nations of the world, but of the nation, the four kinds of people of the nations of the world. And this crystal sea that they are able to stand on and sing the songs of Zion and the songs of Moses. These beasts, these people are full, F-U-L-L, of eyes. So one of the translations photo translations of this crossing is being enabled to have this multiple interdimensional in-depth vision that once having none should perish. This crossing is so important because there are so many people that lean upon their religious beliefs. But sadly, they're leaning upon these religious idioms and ideologies only gives them, in many cases, a false sense of security. much along the line of those who, who expect it is due that any time there will be a, what they call a rapture, a catching away. <coughs> and while it is not promised that anybody will know the day and the hour, it is promised that to those who have crossed over into the deeper things of God and have been faithful servants, to them Christ will not come as a thief in the night. There would be those who were standing by ready who had oil in their lamps. And when the call at midnight comes, they are ready and they go out to meet. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Well, this thing of diversities and being able to Example, what is right, what is not right, is so very important. Like, there have been those examples that have to do with 
sacrifice. People are told, they are preached at, to sacrifice many good aspects of their life, sacrifice their finances, sacrifice their due vacations, sacrifice any better kind of living, and give that donation to some man or some church, And then somehow in the by and by, they'll be many times paid for it. Some people are, have been told there was a time that in the early church that some of the defenders of Christianity and some very some of these were pretty great men. And they believed that if they could sacrifice their life, that would put them way ahead in the aftermath of the resurrection. But the Bible is explicit. In Matthew 9.17 and Matthew 12.7, it teaches that God prefers the praise and the righteous living of the law of, of the people rather than sacrifice. Also read Hosea six six. The Bible tells us that there can be variations that are totally acceptable to the Lord. If you want to make a sacrifice it says in Romans 12.1, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, accountable, a reasonable service. As we begin to look at this and we begin to realize there have been so many false security Ideas set up for people. If you do this, you will get that. People have had the idea of sacrificing something or someone. When the, God says, you know, most of these sacrifices have to do with death. They cause a death to your finances, a death to you, your friends, a death to your loved ones, because you sacrifice them. Time that belonged to them, you take from them and put into your religious activities. We're not knocking religious activities. But the Bible says here, present your body a living sacrifice. Don't get into this thing about what is death. So that your sacrifice is alive. It's, it's a living thing. And then it says, a reasonable service. 
God is fair. God is truthful. God's for this thing of, of our operations, our employments of doing ministry to be in the area of a reasonable service. Doesn't have to be a drag down, drag out, wear out, break down contribution that leaves nothing but a a worn out individual. And believe it or not, that's one of the crossings that is difficult for a lot of people to to really accept. And there are differences. Differences of administrations, the Bible says, but still the same spirit. As we get into this understanding of the shadow of things to come and the importance of that, It's a marvelous thing. More to say, more to to teach after this break. God bless you.
Once again, thank you, Janet Lee, and hello again, everybody. Here we go. The Crossing. So, the crossing. There is a crossing that God is calling his people to take. And this crossing where we are headed, and which I believe is also connected to the getting out of this holy manifest and peace Bible. Because there are revelations in those books that is going to open up the whole frontier of a Holy Spirit drive to take people in the spirit where they have never gone before. The crossing beyond is so important. The Bible talks in the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 9. Chapter 3, verse 9, Zephaniah. For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. There is a language that is a coming language. It's part of that revelation of the shadow of things to come. It's part of that revelation of doing away with the vision that belongs to the glass darkly. This vision is a pure language vision. And it's going to enable everyone to call upon God in one consent or in one mind. This thing that was waged as a a principality war of darkness against the light was brought about due to transgression and sin and forced there being a confounding of the languages. This confounding of the languages is greatly in in the world today, even with the internet and, and the the uh, uh, interesting systems like the Babylon, uh, you know, uh, translation centers. Even with all of those helps, there is a language barrier in the world today, especially when we get into theolo- to the theological liturgical aspects, there are major language barriers. Now, there are some things that God did to restrict animals from being able to talk. We, we know there's a few cases in which the, 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 the ass donkey of Balaam was able to talk once. We know there's a few cases where with a supernatural, you know, injunction put into place and a supernatural thing happening to them to enable them. Because what most people don't understand is the, the, as to the human diversity of, of, of the uh, human race is that humans have a reson- resonating chamber in the, in the back of their mouths. And, and with a precise location or position of the larynx in the throat. And a special um, hyoid uh, or hyoid bone 
that is all there to make a difference, enabling human beings to talk a language such as we talk, with different kinds of tongues, of course, but yet in a human expression, which the animals do not have this. The apes, for sure, none of these animals have anything close to this resonant chamber and and at the back of the mouth and the, and the the positioning of the larynx in the throat and the tone bone i call it they don't animals don't have that and no cross from evolution is going to give them that someone say how can you know that well that's the law of privilege for me to know and not know I'm uh, into the law of privilege as versus the uncertainty principle. Blessed be the name of God. And so in this understanding of human anatomy, we humans have language capability, but it's being dimmed, it's being dulled, by the babble that has happened, the Babylonian attack, so to speak, on the purity of the language. And there is coming the day and it's coming up the road through the manifest revelation. There's going to be a pure language and people are going to get be able to get into one ma- mind of sharing, one ma- mind of understanding things. Now, Paul wrote in the book of Hebrews an incredible thing, and I have heard that there are Thessalonians, there are um, there are men of the pulpit that just hate the fact that Paul wrote this particular verse. And I want to read it to you because it so goes along with this thing of the crossing. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, therefore is the causation. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, Therefore, leaving the principalities, therefore leaving the forces dark that would hinder us from going on to perfection, and therefore even leaving the doctrines of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Not laying again the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands, not laying again teachings of the resurrection of the dead, not laying again teachings of eternal judgments, And this we will do if God permit. 
These things are incredible that Paul writes here. People are not supposed to stay in first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. They are to move on. They are to learn and come to the fruitful understanding of God's Word. That is to sink deep into their ears so that everyone that has an ear to hear and desire to know those things will receive it into their memories and then move on to make room for new revelation and new insight to move beyond the glass darkly and to begin to under to interpret by the holy spirit what are the shadows of the things to come and what do they bespeak blessed be the name of god and so in 1 Corinthians 15, it tells us about some of the differences. In verse 35 of the 15th chapter, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool. Now, there are people even in this day and age that ask questions like that, and they would really be offended if they were called a fool. Some man will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? And Paul says, you fool, that which thou soweth is not quickened except it die. That which thou soweth is not quickened except it die. And that which thou soweth, thou soweth not that body which shall be, but bear grain, it may chance, may chance, C-H-A-N-C-E, there comes our dice, of paradise, and also like in Ecclesiastes, there is a time and a chance for everyone. Riches don't guarantee it. Age doesn't guarantee it. Time doesn't guarantee it, except the Word of God guarantees it. There is a time and a chance. And bear, it may bear grain, this body, it may bear, it may chance of wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it has pleased him to ever seed his own body. Wow. All flesh is not the same flesh, and here we see the difference then of those aspects that I mentioned about what in anatomy-wise enables a human to have the, kind of the voicing uh, capability. Verse 44, we'll skip down here. It's got a lot to cover. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. <clears throat> wow. As we have borne, verse 49, as we have borne 
the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now, there is a story, a very, very important story that we really have to understand. And if we don't understand these things, then it just it just leads us further and further away from the lack of our understanding to where we need to go. And holds you back from making the progress that you need to make so that you can move on in the Spirit of God. Wow. Wow. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, so... Here we go. Leaving these principles, there's a time when you must invoke a certain thing. And that certain thing that you, you are going to invoke is something quite different than standing still. It's quite different from just sitting in one position in one place. It's called leaving the principles. So when you say the word leaving, it puts you into a journey. It says that there's a time that you're going to go on a journey. You're going to leave these things because you've already got them in your hippocampus, in the, the memory center of your brain. And so now you've got to go on a journey and you leave that and you go on. To what's on the other side. To the shadow of things to come. And so, these glories that it tells about that are different in 1 Corinthians 15 and 40, there are glories that belong to us. Yes, and they're different from other kinds of glories. And some of that glory has got to do with Linguistic diversity, or diversity, let's say. The difference between a pure language and, and a, and a non-pure language. So we're on a journey, folks, leaving the principles. You may think that's a simple thing, but I'm telling you, it's not. This is one of the hardest things for especially the Christian uh, uh, people to leave the principles. They just can't get seem to get that out of their mind. They just can't seem to understand that they have to take the plow and the tractor into the kitchen with them, into the dining room when they sit down to eat every next meal. The crossing what is the truth of the Bible? What is the image of God's intelligence? What is the spiritually great divide? What is the, the, the gulf of separation? This gulf of separation, what is it? What is the boundary? What is the contrast line? What is 
the line at the point of the crossing between sanity and insanity. And what does it mean to cross beyond the vanishing point? Well, the Bible tells us that some things have been given, some laws, and they've been given forever. From generation to generation. And so some people think, well, that's it then. I'm bound under this law to see it the way that it was expressed here with all of its limits regardless because it's a forever law. But people don't understand what forever means. Forever is, is just an aspect of eternity, not eternity. And when you look up the interpretation of it, is, of it in the Strong's Concordance, it means the vanishing point. It means that the duration of it, the numerical, the number value of it, is so great that it's not comprehensible to the, the logical mind. Well, the crossing that we're getting involved in is going to take us beyond the vanishing point. Because there's some of those laws, like the Sabbath, which it seems to say are forever, which are absolutely not taught in the Bible to be forever, even though there are scriptures that seem to indicate that it is forever. But it's only forever in the sense not as people understand the word because they have an unpure language, but as people who do not understand the word. That do not understand that it simply means forever as it, as it is involved in the vanishing point. So there is a place beyond the shadow of time. There is a crossing. There is a crossing, ladies and gentlemen, that reveals to us the shadow of things to come. When we get out of the shadow, which is the glass darkly, which is the vanishing point, beyond which we can clearly see what the rest of God's plan is, beyond which we can see the moment, the hour, the day that this convergence of pure language will be given to the people. Then we begin to understand that we must cross beyond the vanishing point. Now, there's some people going to be in that the forever of their life, as long as they live. But not everybody. Not everybody is going to sleep. But in a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, we're suddenly going to be able to see the revelation of the shadow 
of things to come. There are concepts concepts that people have based on their sense of experience. Concepts that people have that are based on their logic. And even concepts of experience in the scientific world and even in the intuitive world of abstract insights. And these all sort of produce a tensional space-time, you could say. Einstein once talked about crossing the crossing of the of the gulf of thought and symbol. And boy, was that, in my opinion, a right-on statement. But the the gulf of of logic has a lot of logistical impossibilities because they're not flowing in the stream of the law of privilege that makes all things to be possible. Certainly abstracted representations can contain information that is additionally material and almost anti-material. But it cannot take you into the kingdom of heaven realm, into the spiritual realm. Because inert, inert matter cannot cross the ultimate spiritual zone. For the Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And yet, language is being used as a medium, as a type of a bridge. We have to get over the folly of self-sacrifice no matter how rigorously a person has sought that. We have to get over living in the visual representation of creation and believing that that visual is the it and in, incorporates the whole meaning of its symbology. We have to get over that. We have to get over Babel. We have to get over the outdated language. We have to understand there is a spirit bridge. And the crossing that we are getting ready to make is across that spirit bridge. It's a it's a crossing from the Ideas of evolution, which are very much of an extent sort of anti-God, to crossing over into latolution, which is a manifest revelation that shows how that everything can evolve, but it does so as it is actuated and punctuated 
by the soundtrons of God which are throughout all the universe. We've got to get over this thing about the human sacrifice and realize it's more reasonable to be a living sacrifice. We're talking about the Sabbath. We've got to get over the, some of this idea of the Sabbath. Because if you endorse the Sabbath based on the law, which most of the people that say that they believe in the Sabbath and they keep it, do not. Back in the book of Exodus, I believe it was, there was a man who was saw going out gathering sticks. Now, it seems like the most logical idea of people going out and gathering sticks, and he was doing it on the Sabbath, was because his family was cold. And they needed sticks for fire, uh, maybe both to cook and to warm themselves. Someone would say, well, you should have done that the day before. Maybe everybody was lying there with the flu, too sick to hardly even move. And cold and hungry. But what goes along with it is when they saw that man and they reported him, the decision came down to kill him, stone him to death for gathering sticks on the Sabbath. Someone says, yeah, but it says that God told Moses. Mm -hmm. Here's how that works. And if you don't catch on to this, you will never understand one iota of the Bible that will get you across the new crossing. The way God reveals himself in this world, it's through representatives. God, the I am, the invisible God, never comes into this physical world except by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, which then has a job of engaging with individuals but those individuals still have their own opinions and their own wills. And although they are, in many examples, supposed to give what is the will of God, many times they represent God with their own idioms and their own ideologies. So most, so most of the time when it says, thus saith the Lord God, it's thus saith that man who is thinking that he is speaking for God. But many times he's speaking for himself. Did David do that? Yes. Did Moses do that? Yes. Mo Moses was, you know, trained to be a, a war man. And, and he fought in wars. He's big into in, into into death, into killing. I mean, his first act when he came to possibly deal with delivering Israel was to kill an Egyptian. I'm not knocking Moses, but I'm telling you, you what you need to expect. 
you need to expect that Moses did not always do, do God's will. When God spoke to him and said, stand aside, Moses, these people are never going to be right. I'm going to destroy them. At least that was how he was interpreting what God was saying. And he said, no, I'm not standing aside. You destroy them, kill me too. I want to do it my way. I've got my own idea about this God. I know you're God, but I know I'm, I'm who I am. And that's just one example. Let's not count some other examples how he did some things. He, he, in fact, he offended God to such an extent, God said, you're not crossing over the Jordan. You're not going to see, you, you can see the land, but, but, but you can't go there. See it from afar. A lot of people that were considered to be great men of God, the Bible makes it very clear in the Hebrews that they never did get there. They had a longing to get to the city of God. They never did get there. It wasn't chosen for them to get there with their ideas and with their connections. This thing about the Sabbath is a big, big, big subject. A whole lot bigger than anybody has the slightest idea. Colossians 2, 16 through 17 says, Let no one judge you as to one day over another. There's an emancipation that is due us versus the traditional. There is an enlightenment that is due us as versus the traditional. There are people steeped into the traditional idea. But they're not into the emancipation that is promised us. And in Hebrews 4, 7, Paul said, there's a rest, there's a Sabbath that remains. And if the Sabbath had been fulfilled, why would there still be a rest that was due unto the people? Jesus went out and healed people on the Sabbath. Luke 13, 10 through 11. There is scripture that's very, very clear. Let's look at um, Galatians, the fourth, the fourth, uh, the fourth chapter. Very powerful, very interesting. Well, you know, people have got to get this stuff down. You know this. You know, and I, I, oh, sure, there will be people really offended of the idea of the rapture, but I mean, there's so much scripture. If I was really preaching on that subject in its fullness, it, 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 it would almost have to be a series for, for it to really, to really get down to people, for people to really understand exactly what it was. Because they have just plain outright missed the beauty of the revelation. And we're trying to get people at the crossing so they can get across the river. 
the river of time. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, let's look at um, Galatians chapter 4, verse 10. Here's what it says. You observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you. Least I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. There's people involved in observing days. Some people say, well, I'm not like that. Yeah, you do. You know, some people have made a God out of the Sabbath. <clears throat> that was never intended by the Word of God. <clears throat> Let's look at Romans 9.21. Ro- Romans 9.21. Let's look at this scripture. Here's what it says. Uh, let's see if I'm reading the right thing. All right. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor <clears throat> and another vessel unto dishonor? People don't understand. <clears throat> that when you take the substance, and it's the same substance, you can make out of that substance something that is honorable, and you can make out of that substance something that is not honorable. It's all tied into the time and the chance. In this generation, there may be people living out their life in a dishonorable body because they're making up for something that they did not do in another life that was not a completed time and chance. You might be living in an honorable time <clears throat> because you've already made up those differences. Wow. So let's look at Romans while we're in Romans 14. I'll get a hold of this scripture and swallow this. Verse 5, chapter 14 of Romans. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he regardeth it not. So let me read that again. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth unto the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, eateth not and giveth God thanks. <clears throat> it says that you can esteem one day over another, and if you if you redeem the day, if you if you um, use the right uh, kind of rendering, then, you know, that day can have a benefit. But don't make a law out of it. Because those laws of the Old Testament, Jesus didn't come to destroy them. They weren't, they weren't the full vision. They were a shadow and a type. And Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not to destroy it. He came to show what the meaning of those 
those examples were, what the meaning of the Sabbath was. So I started to say earlier, if you endorse that law of the Sabbath, you endorse that if any person goes out and gathers some sticks to eat his house on a Sabbath, that he should be stoned to death. Because that's all that's part of the law of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is totally misunderstood. The Sabbath was a seventh day revelation. It was the day of rest revelation. It was the day that actually Adam was 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 formed. I know people say no, it's the sixth day. No, it's the seventh day. Adam in the genealogy, I think it's the fourth chapter of Luke, is called the Son of God. And there's the first Adam, the second Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. But he's also called the firstborn of all creation. He's talking about soul creation, not the age of the dinosaurs. So that Sabbath, the real revelation of the Sabbath, because Jesus basically, just like he says, I am the resurrection, he basically shows that, you know, he, he, is, the, he is the Sabbath. He's the revelation of the Sabbath. That Sabbath was really about Jesus Christ spiriting Adam. And so the recognition of that was so important. Same thing with the baptism of water. I mean, everybody is automatically baptized when they're born. They're, they're born in a bag of water. And Jesus explained that. He said, everyone's going to have this because everyone's got to be born in, a, in water. That's one birth you have to have. You're required, if you're a fallen angel, to be born in the human body in this bag of water. <clears throat> There's a crossing. This is tough stuff. But many of these things, like the Sabbath, like the water baptism, does that mean that we don't do these? Well, here's the scripture. Here's the scripture I'll give you. <clears throat> Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. This is awesome. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? Well, I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. <clears throat> this is so important. So very important. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. See, this is how the word is divided up. You'll speak, you'll sing in the Spirit. That is the crossing over. But you also 
Sing and you'll pray in your physical body. You can do both with the understanding that what you are doing in your physical body, because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven, what you are doing in your physical body is a foreshadowing of what you will do in your spiritual body. For the Paul said there is a spiritual body. So the spiritual body is the crossing over. It, it's it's, it's a, an elevation of comprehension. It's an elevation of spirituality. It's an elevation of the all, multiple all-seeing eyes. It's beyond the vanishing. It's beyond the glass darkly. Well, one day we're going to take a trip. We're going to take a trip. We've told people we're going to take a trip throughout the universe at an incredible speed that scientists today would not hardly be able to believe to almost the the end of the universe and then look across those bounds to where we can sort of see a feeling of the outer limits of the first domain, the heaven of heavens. Oh, what a trip that's going to be. The crossing. People have it in their mind what they've never ever thought could be possible, never thought that it could touch them. All of these sim- symbolisms, I'm bringing my teaching to an end now. All of these symbolisms will pass. All the shadows will pass. All of the examples will pass. As we Take that crossing across the great divide. Where the the gulf that separates the people from the heavenly paradise to those that did not make it. The crossing. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what I'm getting ready to do. Get involved in getting out these books that are so advanced, that are so glorious, that are so full of the Holy Spirit. Pray, please pray, please stand by us. Because this is the crossing to the other side. May God bless you and keep you. Go before you. Amen.